Why don't we bow our heads together for a word of prayer before we start tonight. And as your heads are bowed, I want to ask you the question, why are you here tonight? And I want you to think about that as we pray. Do you really expect that God wants to do something in your life this evening? Do you really believe that God wants to do something significant in your life? That God wants to speak to you this evening? I believe that He does. I show up here week after week after week because I believe that in my heart. That He wants to speak to you. That He wants to change your life. And if you have a ready heart, and if you have an expectant heart, and if you have a heart that's humble and says, Lord, here I am, speak to me. Speak to me. God will answer that prayer. Father, we ask you tonight that you would open up our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. This isn't a show, Lord. This is an opportunity. To hear from Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity to have you reach down and touch our life. And Lord, tonight we look to you to speak to us. You are the bread of life. You alone have the words of life. And we need you to speak to our heart. Set us free from the lies that bind us. Set us free from the lies that keep us addicted, set us free from the lies that have enslaved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, I had a friend. One night, a bunch of his buddies decided they were going to all go out and get drunk. And my friend, he wasn't really into that kind of thing, but He wanted to be liked by this group of guys. He'd never really done anything like this before, but he didn't have the courage to say no, and he didn't want to look stupid, and he wanted to be liked. So he got in the car. He went. The guys got drunk. He didn't drink too much. But he was in the car as they were coming home, and they got hit in a terrible accident. He never walked again. My friend never walked again, really for one reason, because he was enslaved to the opinions of others. I read another story, true story, two guys, they were on this camping trip up in the mountains, and as guys tend to do, they, they get into this thing, you know, this daring each other. And it only works because one of the guys doesn't have the courage to say no to the other guy. It only works because we really care about what other people think of us. So they built this fire, just your average, everyday kind of fire. They had a few beers. They started to see who could jump over the fire. <clears throat> so the first guy jumped over there. Well, let's make the fire a little bigger. So they made the fire a little bigger. Next guy, he jumped over it, so they made the fire a little bigger. The fire was a little bigger now, a little wider. So the the guy whose turn it was, he got way back. He ran really, 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 really fast. Jumped over the fire, but didn't realize that about three feet beyond the fire, 
over this shrub because it was dark. It just looked like there was a shrub there. It was a 3,000 foot drop off. So he died. I know so many young men and women who lost their virginity because they wanted to be liked. Because they didn't want to be teased for being a virgin. The title of the message tonight is Free. What comes to your mind when you think of free? What do you think it really means to be free? One of the things that I admire most about Jesus Christ, always have ever since I began reading the Bible for the last 30 years, was that Jesus Christ simply did not care or worry about what other people thought about him. It's an incredible way to live. When you are no longer enslaved to the opinions of others, when you are no longer driven for the approval of others, when you're no longer worried whether people think you're popular or not, but you simply live guided by this internal compass that says, I live for the audience of one. All that matters to me is what God thinks. It doesn't matter what society thinks. It doesn't matter what the neighbors think. It doesn't matter what my peers think. It doesn't matter what my family thinks. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks, not even what I think. All that matters is what God thinks. The Bible says in the book of John 5, verse 44, How can you believe... When you receive praise from one another, do not seek the praise that is from the one and only God. You know, there's a lot of people today that we would use the term, they're very insecure. There's really one primary cause of insecurity. One primary. There may be other little peripheral causes, but one primary. And that is, people are afraid of what others will think of them. They're afraid. What's people's opinion of me? Am I going to come out of this looking good? Am I going to come out of this looking cool? Am I going to have the praise and approval of other people? Or am I not? And we're an unbelievable, insecure people. Jesus is saying here in John chapter 5, verse 44, how can you have a dynamic relationship with me? How can you have real faith in me When what really motivates you, what really drives you, is what others think of you. I'll never forget, about six years into my Christian experience, I was about 24, 25, and I was going along in my Christian life, not realizing to the extent that I was enslaved to the opinions of others. One of the ways that I, I began to recognize this was I used to lead the music like Chad leads the music. I've done music for a long, long time, longer than most of you are alive. I've been involved in music in one way or another. So I was leading the music, but you know how Chad, like he'd pray and he'd share a few thoughts? I, I never did that in those early years because I was scared to death I would say the wrong thing, that someone was going to come up to me later and reprove me for some unspiritual thought or some fleshly thought or some stupid thought. And so I would just kind of, there'd be this awkward silence till the next song. Now, for a lot of you, you're like, how can it possibly be, Mark? I can't imagine 
that you'd ever keep your mouth shut. I can't imagine that you'd be afraid. I mean, I was absolutely petrified. And that was before the days, you know, where you had a nice little interlude to the next song and then to the next song. There'd be this awkward silence and everybody in the band would kind of be looking at me to say something and I'd just stand there. Because I was petrified that I, I just know I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to say something dumb. It isn't going to come across very well. One day I was reading this passage. And as the Bible is, the Bible tells the book of Hebrews that it's living and active. It's an alive book. This is not a dead book. This is an alive book. These are the living words of God. And God's Spirit takes His Word, and as you're reading it, all of a sudden God personalizes it to your life. So I happen to read, be reading the book of John, and I came to this passage, and as so often has happened in my Christian life, God <clears throat> begins a dialogue with me. He said, Mark, how, how can you really have a dynamic, meaningful, courageous faith, a reckless faith, a meaningful faith, when what really moves you, motivates you, what excites you, what you look forward to, are the pats on the back from other people. <clears throat> Instead of my pat on the back. What really matters to you, Mark, is the opinions of other people, not my opinion. And I thought about that. And I tell you, it was, a, it was an epiphany. It was a life-changing experience for me. Because I realized this verse. Proverbs 29, 25. Listen really carefully. This is hard to even believe it's in the Bible. The fear of human opinions disables a person. Trusting in God will exalt you. The fear of human opinions disables. There's a lot of people today, in fact, the vast majority of people that I've dealt with in my life were psychologically and emotionally disabled because of the fear of man. The fear of others. You think about the first time you took a drink or the first time you messed around or the first time you used drug or the first time you tried anything really stupid. Generally speaking, I'm generalizing, there are exceptions. Generally speaking, you did it one, because you wanted the people you were hanging around to think you were cool and like you or two, because you were afraid if you didn't, you wouldn't be in. It's just that simple. You think about the way a lot of people dress. You know, it's funny. People ask me, I, I obviously don't dress like a normal person. I understand that. I'm at peace with that. Yeah, people ask me all the time, Mark, how can you wear that jacket? You wear that jacket in the spring, you wear that jacket in the fall, you wear that jacket in the winter. As if what you think really matters to me. I mean, I'm a, I could care less if you don't think it's nice for me to wear this jacket. I happen to know this is a cool jacket. People stop me in the mall and ask me all the time about this jacket. Where did you get this jacket? I made this jacket. I took sandpaper and made this jacket. That's what I did. But I don't really care if you like it. I enjoy the jacket. See, I enjoy it. I enjoy wearing red wing boots. I don't like little girly slip-on shoes. I just don't like them. I, I can't help that. That's just me. That made me. Now, maybe you're into those European little... I've seen them because I've been to Europe. I won't 
comment any more about them. Maybe you like bell bottoms. You know, you like them grabbing your thigh and you can barely move it, but you're cool. That's okay with me, but it's not for me. See, not for me. Maybe you want to buy a Hummer. I don't want to buy a Hummer. I don't need things to prove my value and neither do you. You see, that's what last week was the foundation of. Reason for joy. You get all that you need in Christ. I don't need a Hummer to prove I'm a man. I saw something so repulsive the other day. I'm driving down the course. It was a couple guys driving down the road with a pickup truck with some plastic testicles dangling from the back. And I'm like, I really, I almost rammed the truck. If I thought I could have got away with it, I would have. I'm like, if we stoop that low, I mean, I mean, is that what it means to be a man? I drive a truck with a pair of plastic testicles attached to the back. I got to have a Hummer to prove I'm a man. I got to have some big shot car to prove I'm worth something. I got to make a certain level of income to prove that I'm valuable. I got to have a certain breast size to prove I'm worth loving. This is what I'm talking about. We're enslaved to what other people think. We're enslaved to the image that we project upon others and what they think about us. Jesus was not, and he wants to free you from it. He wants to free you because it's the most terrible enslavement in the world. And it plays on you, and it plays in... Do you know what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes? That all man's achievement is driven by his envy of others. You ever heard that little saying, you're keeping up with the Joneses? That's truth. That's truth. People are always worried about, what do the Joneses have? What do the Joneses have? What are they doing? What's my family doing? I got to look good to my family. And, and you say, Mark, how, do you, how can you say this kind of stuff? How can I say this kind of stuff? Do you realize that the average American, a part that has credit cards, that doesn't pay off their balance every month, owes $14,500 on their credit card? The average American can't even afford the new truck, the new car. They're driving. But it's cool. And they look great. And the people at work can't make fun of them because they're driving an old beater. But the beater's paid for. But that doesn't matter. What matters is, even if I'm paying $450 a month plus insurance, plus $200 a month to drive that thing, I look good to the people that I work with. And I may be home at night sweating bullets, wondering how I'm going to make the payments on all this stuff I have, but I'm cool. Why? Well, because my neighbor said so. Because these people say so. Because society says so. Because my family approves of me. And we're enslaved. We're enslaved. It's a tragic form of slavery. How many times, guys, seriously, think about this, ladies. It's hard to even be in a crowd because, you know, you're wondering, am I, am I hair right enough? Am I looking good enough for the guys around here, the single guys? You go to a party and you just can't even be yourself because there's this image that we have to keep up. Instead of being genuinely just kind, genuinely just thoughtful, genuinely just our spirit-filled self, 
We're wondering. I wonder if everybody here thinks I'm okay. I wonder if she thinks I'm okay. Did you know nothing is as beautiful as genuine confidence? Nothing is as genuinely attractive than confidence when it's coupled with humility. It's just, hey, how are you? You look a person in the eye. You can honestly talk to them because you honestly care about them. But you walk into these bookstores, they have Barnes and Noble, and you'll see a giant rack of self-help books on the power of intimidation, how to get what you want. Let me tell you, there's power in genuineness. There's power in being free from being enslaved to the opinions of others. Jesus said in the book of John, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. As you grow in the truth, the truth makes you more free. When you begin to realize that all that matters is God. Now imagine this for a moment. Just let me try to illustrate this with a couple silly analogies. Imagine you're out of high school because it's hard to think about this when you're in high school. Imagine you're at college and you play basketball. You want to play basketball. What matters most? That the coach likes you or the players like you? Now you may say, well, if the players don't like me, they'll blackball me and, and, and they won't pass me the ball and I won't get any assistance. Yeah, and any coach worth his salt will kick their fannies to kingdom come and kick them off the team because college is a lot different than high school. Let's just say you're in the pros. Let's just say you're in the pros, playing pro ball. Money's on the line. Jobs are on the line. You think the coach is going to care if you are partying with the fellas or not or is it, and that they all like you? Or is he more concerned that you're an upstanding, upright person and you're on his good side? Yeah. Just between me and you, I want to be on God's good side. I really don't care if I'm on your good side. You see, because if if I'm not worried about being on God's good side, then you never know if I'm going to tell you the truth or not. See, it's very difficult to speak the truth if you're worried about what everybody's going to think. I've gotten my share of hate mail before. I wouldn't have gotten any hate mail if I was worried about what people thought. It's very difficult to trust a person who's always worried about what other people think because they'll just flatter you to pieces. But they'll never have the courage to maybe lovingly say, hey, well, you know, this is what I really think about this or this is what I think about that. But even more importantly, is when we're concerned with God, when we're concerned with what God thinks, it gives me moral courage. Moral courage. Years ago, I had this sales job. And uh, all the people that I worked with on this job, I hope you can understand these words, were moral reprobates. That means they were perverted weirdo idiots. They were um, obnoxious. Every joke was sexual. It just got really old. It was like pollution mental pollution that I had to just deal with every single day to have this job. 
And every once in a while, I had to go to these sales meetings, and I had to get in a car with these guys. And, you know, it was me and four others, and one was my boss. The other one had been working with the company for 30 years. And it was, it was not uplifting conversation at all. It was just garbage. Now, you know, when you're a young man and you've got a family on the line, you try to want to do good to keep your job, right? But at the same time, I knew, I knew, I knew a little secret that they didn't. See, the guy driving the car, he's a little bit like Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard. <clears throat> I am kid you not. He was 5'9", 400 pounds. And uh, one time he got really mad at the president of the company at one of their sales outings that they had, and he'd been drinking a little, and the, and the, and the president said something, and he turned around and knocked him out with one punch. <clears throat> but they didn't, they didn't fire him because that was before the days of lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. And my boss owned major stock in the company, so they, even if they let him go, he still owned half the company. <clears throat> so we're driving down the road, and these guys are just making the most unbelievable Filthy remarks. I'm, I've been around a lot of filth. These guys are just being really filthy. I wasn't laughing. I could care less if they were impressed with me or not. You know why? Because I knew my real boss was impressed with me. And that was God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I knew they were all impressed with me because I was their son. And you know what else? I knew that this guy next to me, Don, he wasn't my boss. God was my boss. And you know what else? I knew it wasn't Don who got me the job. It was God who got me the job. And it was God who would keep the job for me as long as I needed it. Gave me courage to know God, God was happy that I was trying to be upright. So these guys finally started jabbing on me. So I looked at them. I turned, I looked at him, I said, you know, guys, I don't have much to say except I pity you. I pity you. I pity your wives. It's tragic to me that this is the way you guys have to live your life. It's sad. My life's different. I don't have to worry if I'm going to get any. But, but you guys are just Sad. And you could have heard a pin drop, and then, you know, they started looking at me. You could see the steam coming out of their ears. So a few weeks later, this boss, he sent me these semi-pornographic calendars to hand out to the customers. In the auto business, the kind I was in selling auto parts, it's just the snap-on tool guys. Have you ever seen a snap-on tool truck driving out? They hang out Playboy calendars all the time for Christmas. That's what they hand out. So, my boss, he sends these over in a truck. So I did the unthinkable. You know, when you're working in a company, the unthinkable is to go over the head of your boss. You just don't do that. Unless your name's me. So I called the executive vice president of the company. His name was Kenny. We were pretty good friends. He wasn't a Christian, but he was a decent man. He said, Kenny, I said, I'm sorry to call you so early this morning, but I said, uh, you know, I got this box of calendars over here. And, and I said, Kenny, you know, I just got, I, you just got to know in good conscience, I just can't really hand these out. You see, because your territory's doubled while I've been your salesman, right? He goes, yeah, it sure has, Mark. We're really pleased with what you're doing over there. I said, well, I want you to know why it's doubled. It's doubled because of my integrity, Kenny. 
And I cannot compromise my integrity by handing out these calendars. Besides, I'm in the auto business, auto part business, not the lingerie business. So the vice president, he's way over Don, but he's younger than Don. He says to me, oh, geez, Mark, you know, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, we had antique car calendars made for you. We must have put the wrong ones on the truck. So here they'd made special calendars just for me. I'm the only guy. They made special calendars just for me. Because <clears throat> evidently my reputation had preceded me. The next morning, Boss Hogg shows up at the door. He drives 60 miles to be at my store at 7 in the morning. I couldn't even get the key in the door. He was in my face. Spit was coming out of his mouth. This guy, profanity, he was livid that I went over his head. That I wasn't going to hand out those calendars. And you blankety-blank little blankety-blank, you blankety-blank will hand out those blankety-blank calendars. And he's like this far in my face. I just looked him right in the eye, those little beady eyes. I just looked right in his eyes and said, you know what, Don? He's threatening me now. He says, do you realize you blankety-blank-blank that I can fire you right now? I said, you know what, Don? You do whatever you want. You can fire me. But don't forget that I doubled your sales territory in the last eight months. And you're making a commission off it. If you want to throw it away, you go right ahead. But no one from this store is handing out those calendars. You want to take them, you do whatever you want with them. But I'm not handing them out. Well, then, a blankety-blank store manager, I said, oh, no, no. The store manager, he doesn't represent this store. I represent this store because I'm out making all the sales calls all week. No one is handing the calendars out. And I have Ken Roberts' word on that. And he happens to be the vice president. You little blankety. And he grabs the calendars and he storms off. Do you think God set that whole thing up? You better believe he did. He was testing old Mark, wasn't he? Oh, it was young Mark then. He was finding out, finding out. Who matters more to you, Mark? Me or the guys you work with? See, see, I, I wasn't one of those kind of guys. Now, not that this is wrong. It's not wrong to have friends where you work. Don't take me wrong here. Now, I'm not trying to make everybody my enemy. But I wasn't one of those guys, never have been, never going to be, who's going to hang down at the bar to drink a few beers in the hopes that maybe a few guys will put a little more money in my pocket. Jesus didn't kowtow, and I'm not going to kowtow. And he doesn't want you to either. You do not have to bow down to the opinions of others. You can stand tall. You can hold your head high. You can walk upright. You can walk with confidence knowing God, God approves of me. See, God approves of you. Through Jesus Christ, God approves of you. You're right in the eyes of God. You have peace with God. You can have confidence with God. All that matters. See, all that mattered was the vice president told me, don't worry about the calendars. Now, if the vice president had told me, you better hand them out, I just simply told him, then take my job. And you don't know what a big thing that would have been. Because I was a father of two little children with a third on the way, and I had no insurance, and I was working another night job just to make ends meet. I really could not afford to have this job. But, I, but what was more important to me was my integrity. What was more important to me 
was whose praise I was going to live for, you see. In the here and in the future. In the here and now and someday when I see Christ. I want to be able to look at him in the eye with pride. And see, you know what, Jesus? I stood for you. I'm not ashamed. I stood for you. I stood up for the things that, that were right to the best of my ability. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes. God genuinely wants you to be free from the opinions of others. That you're no longer worried about what they think, but you're concerned about what He thinks. You're concerned about what He says. Because, see, He's the great president of the universe. It doesn't matter what all the fellow employees think. It only matters what He says, what He thinks. And His well done is all that we need. His well done. His stamp of approval. And you have that in Jesus Christ. I want to close with one last thought. Not only did these principles revolutionize my life, but here's one other thing that really transformed me. It's when God said, Mark, my opinions about you, Mark, matter more than your own opinions about yourself. That is profound. You see, because there are days when I'm telling myself, I'm just a miserable sinner. Lord, I'm just so off. I'm so unworthy of you. I'm so unworthy of you. And the Lord stops me dead on my track. Say, Mark, what, what do you, where does this crap come from, Mark? I don't care if that's your opinion of yourself. It is not my opinion of you. And now, Mark, my opinion of you needs to matter more to you than your own opinions of yourself. That's freedom. When you are free, not only from the opinions of the people, the crowd, family members. I remember this being tested so much with my wife's parents. And I'll never forget, my wife and I, when we first got married, we decided, I'm not saying you have to decide this, by the way. This was just our decision. <clears throat> we decided we were going to homeschool our children, teach them at home, home educate them. I could go on and on about the public school system as well as lots of other people could, but I won't. I just don't believe in it. So I remember when Kathy's mother found that out. She found it out kind of accidentally. It was when she was holding my daughter who was up here singing just a little while ago on her lap, and she was about five. And we just finished the best week. This this was five years now into my marriage, and it was the first time Kathy's mother had ever hugged me. We went to see them at their timeshare in Arkansas. We'd had a great week. We'd golfed. We'd hung out. And we were just getting ready to leave after a week. <clears throat> She's holding Celeste. She said, well, honey, it's, you're going to be starting kindergarten next year, aren't you? And Celeste, always the honest one, well, Grandma... I don't think so. I think my mommy's going to teach me at home. Her mother stands up, drops Celeste right on the floor. You selfish! And she just goes off on us. I mean, right in front of the kids, right in front of everybody. I remember that was, that was, the, first, that was the closest I ever came to really just giving her and him a piece of my mind. 
I held my tongue. I thought, I remember saying to myself, okay, if Doug gets involved in this, that's her dad. If he gets involved, then, then I will. But if he doesn't, I, I, I won't say anything because I want to thank him for this week because we enjoyed being with him, even though it was very difficult. <clears throat> she stormed out of the room. He kind of looked at the ground sheepishly and said, I'm sorry about this. I said, ah, Doug, don't worry about it. Thanks for having us down here. We got in the car. We started to drive home, and Kathy, just tears, just flood of tears, flood of tears. About six hours. And I just kept reassuring her, you know, sweetheart, your Heavenly Father's proud of you. And I'm proud of you. It really does not matter what they think at all. And one day, they're going to eat humble pie. Just a matter of time. Well, a few weeks later, we get this letter, this long letter. All these threats. and If you can't live your life like normal people, don't come down here anymore. We've tried to do this for you. We've tried to do that. We're cutting you out of our will. And I remember just taking the letter and ripping it up right in front of Kathy. Just rip, 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 rip. I said, you know what, Kathy? This isn't worth the paper it's written on. All that matters is, once again, your Heavenly Father is proud of you. So am I. That's all that matters. We still went down to see him the next year because, of course, they had us back. I smiled. You know why? Because I was free from what they thought. It didn't matter what they thought. And as I continued to grow, I became free from what I thought about myself in relationship to God. It's easy, isn't it, to look at your life and go, Lord, I failed here, and Lord, I failed there. And the Lord's like, Mark, I'm proud of you. I love you, son. Look, you're only three years old. And the Lord, what do you expect? Get up. Oh, so, Lord, I, I messed my diapers again. That's okay, Mark. I'll clean them for you. you. Just get up. But Lord, I'm so unworthy. No, you're not, Mark. Oh, no, you're wrong there. Let me close by reading this in Romans chapter 8. You ought to become extremely familiar with this passage in the Bible because, because this is God's opinion of you. Romans chapter 8. What should we say about such wonderful things as this? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Will God accuse us? No. He's the one who has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? <clears throat> will Christ condemn us? No, for he is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the place of highest honor next to God, pleading on our behalf. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he doesn't love us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours <clears throat> through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels can't, the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell cannot keep God's love away. Whether high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Overwhelming victory is ours. 
Did you watch American Idol? Anybody? You ever hear of Clay Aiken? The hokey little guy with the red hair, funny ears. Clay Aiken's kind of an interesting fellow. <clears throat> Actually, he's a devout Christian. You know what's really interesting? Is he's not very good looking. Justin Warini is a lot better looking. All the girls love his smile. Everybody poked fun at Clay Aiken. You know where Clay Aiken's confidence come from? He just has a new memoir out. Came from Christ. You see, because he knew whether he won or not, he'd already won. He'd already won. Didn't matter what Simon thought. Didn't matter what Paula thought. Didn't matter what anybody thought. He was content with who he was. He knew God was for him. God is for you. No one can be against you. God will not condemn you. Christ will not condemn you. He is for you. And God wants you to live free from the opinions, the negative, critical opinions of others and of yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the power of the word of God. It can transform our lives. <clears throat> All of us here tonight, Lord, we've done things this week that we wished we hadn't. All of us have done things in our lifetime that we wished we hadn't. We thank you tonight that that's no longer hanging over our head. Whether, Lord, we were immoral last month, whether we got drunk last month, whether we had an affair, whether we stole something, because of Jesus Christ, we're new creatures, holy and righteous in the sight of God. And we can hold our head up high with pride because of what you've done. It doesn't matter if the world embraces us. I could care less if the world around me, the world system, thinks I'm cool. Matters to me is that you love me, that you're for me, that you care about me. And it gives me confidence to love a broken and sometimes antagonistic world that surrounds me. Help us, O oh God, to live free. Help us to get into this book and be consumed with the opinions of God. In Jesus' name, amen.